This is Think It Through with me, April Adair. Get ready to start thinking. I know, it's hard, and you'd probably rather not. But here we go anyway. Hello, and welcome to Episode 4 of Think It Through. If you've just found me on your favorite podcast directory, I highly recommend you go back to Episode 1 and start from the beginning. What I'm saying will make more sense if you listen to the episodes in order. Today's episode is on an important and possibly controversial topic, so I hope you're paying attention, because what you hear can make a big difference in the way you relate to others during disagreements. If you've been following along with me from the beginning, you know we've been talking about why arguments in the real world often go awry. While the topic of this episode certainly applies to our face-to-face interpersonal arguments, I'm going to focus more on how we discuss things on social media, since we're spending so much of our time there lately. There's an important component of rhetoric that seems to have been forgotten in today's hyperpolarized environment. It's called the principle of charity. Now, don't be fooled by the name. It's not about giving money, food, or even love to an opponent during an argument. Although, you know, that's really not a bad idea. Hmm. Anyway, if it's not that kind of charity, then what exactly is it? Why are we ignoring it? And how do we incorporate it into an argument or disagreement? Well, let's find out. Let me start by telling you what several philosophers, ethics teachers, and rhetoricians have to say about what the principle of charity is. Jeff Stoll, who teaches leadership, communication, ethics, and law at the University of Oregon's Lundquist College of Business, says, and I quote, In informal logic, the principle of charity requires us to offer the best interpretations we can of one another's arguments, especially when they're contrary to our own. Assume that others aren't stupid or cold-hearted. According to the Ethics Center, a nonprofit entity whose mission statement says that its job is putting ethics at the center of everyday life, the basic idea behind the principle of charity is thinking well of people. Those we're debating are intelligent and unlikely to be advancing stupid or illogical ideas. When a charitable listener hears something that doesn't make sense to them, they will try to work out what was really meant. Jonathan Maloney from IntelligentSpeculation.com, a great website, I highly recommend it, says that we should interpret a speaker's statement in the most rational way possible, and that we should avoid attributing fallacies, irrationality, or falsehoods to the speaker's statement when a rational interpretation of their statement exists. According to Patrick Girard from the University of Auckland's Future Learn online course, Logic and Critical Thinking, simply put, the principle of charity tells you to treat other people as intelligent people. If you treat people as being intelligent, you will do a better job at evaluating their arguments. Okay, so let's put all that together. In the principle of charity, the charity part means that our interpretation of the other person's argument needs to be charitable. In other words, we need to assume that the best possible interpretation of their argument is the one they meant to convey. 
So if they've made an obvious mistake in the argument, which might make it unsound or weak, if they commit a logical fallacy of some sort, you don't just point it out, tell them they've lost the argument, drop the mic, and walk away. You instead assume that there's a plausible, rational alternative version of their argument available that may be what they actually meant when they verbalized their argument. The principle of charity also requires, note that it doesn't suggest it requires, that in an argument you need to first assume the person with whom you are arguing is intelligent. Now right there a lot of you are probably thinking, yeah, but what if this person is dumb as a rock and obviously has no idea what they're talking about, or they're just an evil son of a bitch and need to be taken down a notch? Well, guess what? Your opinion about this person's intelligence or evilness is irrelevant. It's your job to assume that they are intelligent and have good intentions. At this point, you may be thinking, well, not only is this not possible, but I don't think it's right. There are issues out there where people are obviously on the wrong side of the argument, and it's my job to set them straight because I'm on the right side. Well, good for you, I guess. However, it's nearly impossible to argue someone into changing their mind, especially online. It seems to me that there is so much chest-thumping and virtue-signaling going on that no one is moving one iota off of their stance, whatever it is. So if you believe that you are an online warrior for your particular issue and that it's your job to take on anyone with a different opinion with the hopefully end result of vanquishing them, well... That's the complete opposite of what the principle of charity states. And it's one of the reasons why our arguments on social media can turn into verbal cesspools of straw man and ad hominem fallacies. We interpret other people's arguments in the very worst way. That's straw man. And then we label those people as stupid, ignorant, or evil. That's ad hominem. Can you really expect that doing that will make any difference in that person's opinion, except perhaps to solidify their opinion that you're the evil person with a weak argument. Can you see that all it does is make you feel superior to that other person and in no way adds to the larger social discourse? Can you see that this way of approaching discourse is not working for our society? And it all comes down to this one question. Is the goal of arguments in social discourse to win, to be the victor, or is the goal of these arguments to reach informed and rational decisions? If winning is the only reason for argument, then people will keep goading each other on in order to get the last word in, and society will be the worse for it. Let me put a caveat in here right now, because I can still hear you in my head saying, But what about those people whose sole purpose is to cause trouble? I'm not talking about arguing with quote-unquote bad people with agendas, like online trolls or bots. Yeah, people argue with bots all the time, which I find hilarious. Or even people who are getting paid to cause dissent. It's on you if you go down that path, because you're responding in exactly the way those people want. It's their job to push your buttons. The principle of charity doesn't really apply in those cases because this principle assumes that both people in the argument are sincere. Where it applies 
is with your friends and maybe friends of friends that you're having legitimate conversations with and disagreeing with them. And honestly, in my opinion, I think that one of the reasons that the principle of charity has been lost in our discourse is that those online quote-unquote bad people have lowered the quality of discourse in general, and it's spilled over into our sincere attempts to interact with people that we like, or at least we used to like them, on areas in which we disagree. But it's crucial that we don't let the people who want to divide us to be successful. We can disagree without hate, without wanting to destroy our opponent. So, how might this play out in social discourse? Here are a couple of ways. If someone's argument is generally good but contains some kind of error, like an incorrect word choice, a grammar or spelling error, or even a minor fallacy, minor meaning it isn't central to the person's overall argument, you should ignore those things and focus instead on their main argument. So if someone is saying something like, look, we've managed to put a man on Mars. We should be able to do something simple like make better solar panels. If you respond with, well, we haven't landed anyone on Mars, so your argument is invalid. Boom, I win. Yeah, you're not being charitable. It's better to assume that the other person meant the moon, not Mars. In fact, you can even say, you mean the moon, right? Just say it nicely, or simply ignore it and continue the discussion because you really know that they meant the moon. Another important thing to remember is that people often don't understand the difference between inductive and deductive reasoning. They think they're arguing deductively, but those kinds of arguments are very specific, precise, and have to be formulated correctly in order to be valid. Inductive arguments are less precise, so the charitable thing to do is consider arguments that seem to be phrased as bad deductive arguments are probably inductive arguments. Here's an example. Someone might argue deductively that the majority of people in academia are liberals, so all academics with a conservative viewpoint have to keep that viewpoint hidden. To do otherwise will cost them tenure. Well, that argument can be shot down with only one example that shows an openly conservative tenured professor. I happen to know a few of those. So it's not a sound deductive argument. However, it could certainly be reframed as a fairly decent inductive argument, saying that there have been instances of conservatives not getting tenure, so it's possible they might have been treated differently due to their political stance. So it's something a conservative professor might need to take into account. See, I changed it from absolute to possibly, and that makes it a better argument. You should also assume that any falsehoods in a person's argument are based on some misunderstanding or ignorance of the truth on their part, that they're not intentionally seeking to deceive you. For example, there are certainly some people in conspiracy theory communities whose intentions may be deceitful. Maybe they're trying to gain influence or foment discord or trying to sell people something or otherwise profit from them. But the majority of followers in those communities tend to be pulled in by fallacies and misunderstanding of the facts like we discussed in the last episode. And when they seek to argue or defend themselves, they're likely not doing it maliciously. They may truly believe the things they're saying. 
And yes, being charitable in this situation can be helpful because trying to create a logical argument out of a truly bad one might help the person to see that their argument isn't very good. Or maybe not, but at least you tried. Those are only a few of the circumstances under which you can apply the principle of charity. But how exactly do you do it when you're in the midst of a discussion? Daniel Dennett, philosopher and author of the book Intuition Pumps and Other Tools for Thinking, lays out these steps. First, you're going to try to rationally reconstruct the other person's argument in the most logical way. Remember how important paraphrasing is. It shows that you've been listening and you're attempting to understand. Dennett says you should re-express their position so clearly, vividly, and fairly that your opponent says, Wow, thanks. I wish I'd thought of putting it that way. Now, there certainly may be some back and forth at this point because your interpretation may not be exactly what that person meant. It's even possible that they didn't even quite know what they meant, and your restatement of it can help them narrow it down more precisely. Once their argument is clear, then you should mention any points with which you already agree, and it's entirely possible there's at least one in there. You should also mention anything that you learned from that person and their argument. Only then are you free to rebut or criticize the argument. Jonathan Maloney from Intelligent Speculation adds that it's best to try to remain apathetic throughout the discourse because, as we all know, emotion can certainly mess with logic, and you want to remain as logical as possible. Try channeling Spock. Also, you might want to ask for their evidence and sources for their position, but be respectful. And whatever counter-arguments you make, they better be good. They need to be crafted well. Now, there's no guarantee that either one of you will end up persuading the other over to their side, and agreeing to disagree is fine, because you likely have a much better idea of what the opposing arguments look like, which is always a good thing. The principle of charity doesn't work if people have no interest in being reasonable or if you can determine that the other person is taking advantage of your logical charity. And like I said before, it's best not to even try to engage random trolls, bots, or other internet 'er ne'er-do-wells in this fashion, as you'd be wasting your time and energy. Both you and the person you're arguing with need to devote the time and the patience to a charitable interpretation of each other's arguments. John Corvino, host of the YouTube channel called Better Argument, which I'll link to in the show notes, agrees that the point of argument is to get at the truth. And if we are interested in getting at the truth, we don't want a weak or straw man version of our opponent's position, but rather a steel or titanium version of their argument, so that in the end, we don't worry about who is right, but rather what is right. And hey, that other person might actually be right, or at least have some elements of their argument that deserve to be examined. We should consider the best arguments on all sides on our way to finding the truth. I hope I gave you some things to think about in this episode. I also hope you don't think that using the principle of charity in social discourse somehow forgives or justifies bad arguments and intolerable views. It doesn't. It's only a part of effective discourse. It forces you to listen, to try to understand and verbalize the opposing viewpoint, and then 
to respond convincingly because you've taken that argument seriously. And anything we can do that helps us understand each other to work together to solve problems is worth the effort. Don't forget to check out the show notes. There's some great resources that will help you understand this principle and start to apply it in your communication with others. I'll see you in episode five. Thank you.